If I haven't met you before, my name's Emma. I'm part of the staff team here at KXC. It's a total joy to meet you. Why don't we just have a moment of stillness? We're just going to um, invite the Spirit to come before we kick off. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this space now. In the sticky heat, Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? Open our ears to hear from you. Open our hearts. Lord, would you take these words and use them for your glory? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, so for those who haven't been around for the past few weeks, we've been in this series called Come Holy Spirit, basically looking at who is the person of the Holy Spirit, what does he do, and how does he equip um, us, the church, to kind of live in and live out the story of God. And tonight we're finishing the series by looking at this topic of healing. Um, and I've seen some incredible healings take place. Um, my mum, she fell off her bike a year ago, and um, she broke her leg really badly, um, so much so that um, she was in a wheelchair for quite a long time. And uh, the doctors, they'd reset it wrong. And you can tell I'm not a doctor here, but basically like the leg bone was like grating against her ankle bone, and she was in incredible amounts of pain. And the physio didn't think she'd get really any movement back into it. And she was prayed for um, by a guy um, that she just met at a conference, and she was instantly healed. Like, the, the bones have reset themselves. She's got complete movement back into her foot, complete miracle. The physios were astounded, called it a miracle. My sister, she broke her tooth really badly, and um, it broke so badly that she was going to have to have an operation to fix it. And so some friends gathered around her, they prayed, and they watched as her tooth grew back. Like, unbelievable miracle. As Pete's just said, we've been at Wildfires this week, we've some incredible things happening. People who have been born deaf, hearing for the first time. Dan's headache's just been instantly healed in the worship. Great, amazing. <laughs> Healing is taking place all over the place. But I've also experienced um, the pain of unanswered prayer as well. You know, I've prayed for friends and I haven't seen them healed. And, and at the moment, actually, my family is really battling with some health issues. And I, I want to say that right from the start because I'm aware that this is a sensitive topic, right? Like this stirs up different emotions in each of us. And we'll all be dealing with different situations right now. And we have not got long tonight. And this is a huge topic to do justice in just a few minutes. But I just want to share some of the things that I've learned as I've wrestled with this topic of healing. Um, as Pete said, we've just been at this festival called Wildfires, and it was incredible, but what Pete didn't say is that it involved camping. Um, and for any of you who know me, I, I cannot stand camping, and I do not understand why Christians insist on camping at every single festival. Like, I do not get it. Um, I wish I did. I wish I was more chilled. I'm not. Um, I hate camping. And so I knew that I would be shattered after spending four nights trying to sleep in a tent. Um, and so I decided to try and prepare this healing talk before I went. Um, but over the past few days, as I've just um, seen the incredible stuff that God's done, I've had to rewrite my talk. Um, because it's just reminded me of how powerful our God is, right? Like it's woken me up again to the truth um, that our God, he uses us to do extraordinary things, like ordinary people with extraordinary power who are filled by the Holy Spirit. And so the cry of my heart this evening is like, Lord, would you do what I've just seen you do? Would you do it here tonight at KXC? Would you do it here in King's Cross? Would you raise our expectancy, Lord? Would you grow our faith for what you can do through us normal people here tonight? Um, and over the past few days, we've seen all types of healings take place. Um, we've seen ultimate healing as people have found faith in Jesus, as they've connected again in relation with him to the source of all life. We've seen emotional healings take place, where wounds have come to the surface, and Jesus has met um, them with his kindness, and he has brought restoration and wholeness. 
We've seen people set free from oppression. We've seen people um, healed from kind of physical things as well, countless physical healings. Um, a woman called Pauline, she um, came to wildfire. She had ovarian cancer. She was in a wheelchair um, in chronic levels of pain. She probably shouldn't have been there at all. Um, and she stood up on Wednesday night on stage dancing as she testified to the power of God at work in her body. There was this guy called John. He had chronic headaches for seven years in total pain, constant medication to try and help him sleep at night because of the pain was so bad. Um, someone prayed for him. They told the headaches to go in the name of Jesus. They went instantly. Seven years of chronic pain gone as the Holy Spirit met with him. And I want to see this happen here. Like, I want to see this at KXC. I want those stories to be our stories. But I don't know if you find this, but so often I kind of find this disconnect between like this incredible vision, these awesome stories, this beautiful theology of the Spirit empowering his people, and then kind of me living in day-to-day life. And if you're anything like me, um, you can just often feel a bit stuck, a bit stuck in the middle. And so tonight, I just want to look at, like, unpack in a few minutes, like, what does it mean to live in this tension? How do we push into the things of the kingdom? How do we pray for healing? How do we live a life empowered by the Spirit on a Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. when we've just finished an exam? Like, what does that look like? And Jesus is our model for this stuff, right? Like, he was empowered by the Spirit, and he lived perfectly in step with him. So we're going to look at two components in Jesus' life, um, just as we ask this question, like, how do we do this stuff? And so the first is Jesus' motivation. The second is Jesus' mission. And I promise you, I didn't mean for both of them to start with M. Like, I'm cringing at the fact that they do. Um, But if you've got a Bible with you, if you want to grab um, one in front of the peas, we're just going to turn to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to be reading from verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And it says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. I, just, I love how casual the gospel writers are, right? Like that passage just skips over some extraordinary stuff. Like Jesus is going around village to village healing every disease and illness. Like left, right and center, this is what Jesus is doing as part of daily life. So why is he doing this? Like, what is Jesus' motivation for all of this stuff? And I think the key to it is found in verse 36. It just says this. It says he had compassion on them. Like, whenever you flick through the encounters of Jesus, when he heals people, so often in, that, in those verses, that little phrase is there. He had compassion on them. Like Jesus' motivation in healing is not so much about divine acts of power. It's about divine acts of compassion. Um, A few weeks ago, as I knew that I was going to be speaking on this topic of healing, I had a bit of a panic because um, I've seen, as I've said, some incredible healings take place, but my prayers don't always have quite a high success rate as some others do. And I was like, I just need to get some stories. Um, So probably not with the most holy of motives. Um, I basically decided when I left my front door, the first person I laid eyes on, I was just going to ask if I could pray for them. 
just offer a simple kind of prayer request for them. And uh, so I walked outside secretly hoping no one would be around. Um, and as I opened my door, like seven people are on my street. I'm like, oh, great. Um, and the first person I saw is this woman. Uh, she's just a little bit further away from me. So I'm like walking quite fast. And she notices me coming towards her. So she kind of speeds up. And I'm kind of like almost chasing her down the street. And I'm just like, I've got to give it up now. Like, no way can I ask her to pray for, um, to pray for her. So I'm like, okay, let her go. Who else is around? And I look around. And there is the postman. I'm like, bingo. Great. Easy. He is walking slowly. He's walking from door to door. This should be an easy one. Um, And I don't know why I did this. But instead of going up to him like a normal person would, I just stood still and I just smiled at him. And it was like this really... I thought it was a friendly smile. It's probably a bit creepy, a bit weird. And uh, he just noticed me smiling. And so he just smiled back. And then I carried on smiling rather than moving. And he eventually just gave me this kind of half wave as in like, are you all right? And I just kind of half waved back and then just like scuttled off. And I just felt in that moment, I was like, oh, apart from feeling really embarrassed, I just felt like, Lord, I can't do this. Like, I hear the stories, I really want to go after them, but like, I, I can't do it, I feel like a failure in this. I work for a church, I'm a Christian, Like, why can't I do this stuff? And as I was walking down the street, I was just like, wrestling with all these questions. I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, like, look up. So I just looked up and in front of me was this woman and I just felt like I should probably go and pray for her and I mustered up all the courage that was left within me, which wasn't much, and I just blurted out, hey, I'm a Christian, can I pray for you? And she stopped, which was a good sign, right? There was an outright rejection. And she just turned to me and she just said this. She said, thank you so much for asking me. I feel really loved. And just like instantly, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, like, Emma, this is what all of this is about. Like, it's about making my love known to people. Because when we detach healing or any of the spiritual gifts, for that matter, from love, like, we have totally missed the point. Like, we don't heal the sick because we long to move in power and because we, you know, want great stories. It's an expression of divine compassion. Like, of course, we want to see people physically and emotionally healed, and we believe we've got a God who is powerful enough to do that. But we want to see them brought into relationship with Jesus, connected to the source of all life, ultimate healing as they encounter the love of Jesus. So when we pray for people, Even if they leave with nothing else, they should know that they're loved by their Father in heaven. So Jesus, he was motivated by compassion. But why was he so passionate about healing? Well, to understand that, we need to understand Jesus' mission. And that mission was one of restoration between God and humanity. In Luke chapter 7, there's a brilliant little passage where John the Baptist's disciples, they go up to Jesus and they ask him this question. They say, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? It's a bit of a brutal question, right, (laughs) isn't it? Like, I mean, talk about getting straight to the point. In other words, like, are you the one that we have been hoping for? Are you the promised Messiah, the one who's going to bring us back into full relationship with God and life will break out around you? Are you that person? And verse 21 goes on to say, Jesus says to them, go back and report to John what you have seen. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Like these healings, they're not just a few cool tricks that like Jesus brings out. They're an integral sign to the kingdom of God breaking in. Like they're an integral sign of who he is, that he's here to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Healing isn't just something Jesus does. It's what happens when God shows up in a broken world. 
You know, in the healing stories of Jesus, there's often this little phrase, and it's called uh, this word sozo in the Greek. And it means, um, it means healing, but it also means kind of wholeness, salvation, the entirety of restoration for an individual. So um, it's kind of looking at like the forgiveness of sins, freedom from torment, healing from disease, being rescued and freed. Like that was Jesus' mission, to bring that kind of level of restoration to humanity. But the really crazy thing is, is like not only does Jesus tell us to go and proclaim the kingdom of God, he equips us and he empowers us to demonstrate the signs of the kingdom as well. Like he didn't just come to rescue us from the world, he rescued us for the world. And that sounds great in theory, right? But just can you imagine the disciples' faces when he kind of gathers them together for a team talk and says, great, you've seen me do it, now you go and do it as well. Like can you imagine the disbelief that they would have felt in that moment? Like, I was happy to carry your bags, Jesus. Really enjoyed a front row seat. That's been great. But actually doing the stuff? Like, are you kidding me? And yet consistently throughout the Gospels, Jesus sets people free and then tells them to go and set others free as well. He gives them authority to carry on his mission. Like, freely you've received, now freely give. And I just wonder if for some of us here tonight, we've settled for holding Jesus' bags Like, we're happy to watch from a distance. We love seeing the miracles. We love hearing the stories. But actually doing the stuff, like, isn't that for other people? We've discounted ourselves. But if you're a follower of Jesus tonight, you have been given authority to go and do this stuff. Like, we're not called to be spectators in the kingdom of God. He's asked us to join in. He's positioned you in your workplace, in your university, in your street, to go and bring about his kingdom. You know, if you'll let him, he'll take kind of the rough, unrefined, imperfect you and bring, use you to bring restoration and wholeness. But he believes in us more than we often believe in ourselves. And it's risky, like it takes us out of our comfort zone. But when we see the breakthroughs, like they are so beautiful. Um, I remember hearing a story from a couple in my old church and... Um, they were praying for a girl and she had suffered from years of self-harm and these thoughts of self-loathing. And um, she'd become a Christian and she'd found some kind of measure of healing from that. But she had these like scars just all down her arm um, from the time where she used to self-harm. And every time that she looked down, she'd just remember those thoughts. They'd come flooding back in again. And so she asked this couple to pray with her. And as they prayed, um, she kind of met with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rested upon her. And she started to cry gently, and she just felt this sense of real freedom. And then she looked down at her arms, and the skin had been completely replaced. Like, the scars had completely gone. It's this beautiful kind of physical sign of the inner healing that had just taken place in her life. You know, this is the ministry of Jesus. This is the God that we worship, bringing restoration and wholeness. And he wants to use you to do it. So how does this work? Um, Well, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus shows us what this looks like, right? He's perfectly in step with the Holy Spirit. At his baptism, the Holy Spirit rests upon him and it remains on him. You know, we were told that he's sent out in the power of the Spirit. He's healing the sick in the power of the Spirit. And so the crazy thing is that at Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost happens, the Spirit is poured out to us, to those who believe in him, to his disciples, and we're given the same authority and the same power to go and do the stuff that he did. You know, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out just so we could have fun ministry times. He empowers us to carry the very presence of Jesus into the world. Like He's poured out for changed cities. But there's a tension here, right? Because we don't always see the breakthrough. 
Like for some of us in the room right now, there's this like really live, it's quite close to the surface. And this is what we call the kingdom. Um, so this is what we call living in the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus came and he inaugurated the kingdom. He kind of brought this kingdom of heaven to earth, um, but not in all of its fullness. It's only here in part. And so we see um, kind of uh, this picture in Revelations 21 of what it will eventually look like. Heaven and earth becoming one. God's will being perfectly done. No suffering, no sickness, no dying, no grief, no pain. But that picture isn't here yet in all of its fullness. God's will isn't always done. And so there's brokenness, there's hurt, there's pain around us. And so we will sometimes see people healed when we, when we pray for them. And we should go after healing because it, it's what it means to bring in this kingdom of God. It's what it means to partner with the Spirit. It's what he wants to do. But we won't always see the breakthrough. And this is such a hard tension to live in, right? Like for many in the room, this is an ab- abstract theology. Like this is painful. So how do we navigate this? How do we push into the tension? And I think it starts first and foremost with fixing our eyes on Jesus. Like theology is great. I studied it at uni. I'm a massive geek for it. Um, But it never comforts. Only Jesus comforts. Like we come to him, we say this stuff hurts. We don't understand it. We bring our pain. We allow him to meet us there. And for me, as I fix my eyes on Jesus in these moments, I found hope in the midst of confusion. Like we remember the end of our story. If you believe in Jesus, it is one of no suffering, no sickness, no dying, no pain. You know, Isaiah 53 verse 5, it says, by his wounds we are healed. So Jesus, he's bore the ultimate cost so that through relationship with him, we might know healing, whether this side of eternity or the next. And it's only from that place of being honest with him that we find the courage to carry on praying, to carry on praying that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. And secondly, we remain in the tension. And this is really hard to do. And it's so easy to see why some people kind of find this really hard and break the tension. Um, you know, some people will overemphasize the now of the kingdom, this idea that everyone will instantly get healed. Um, and if they don't, it's because you've got a lack of faith. Um, and they blame the person. If there's no healing, it's all your fault. They put it all on the person. And I just think that's really damaging and unhelpful. Um, it doesn't mean that faith isn't a key ingredient. I think it really is. But it's not everything. And we're family in this, right? So rather than just blaming someone when they're not healed, we we grieve with those who are grieving and we stand with them and we contend, we carry on praying, we persevere for the breakthrough. But I think the other danger, and perhaps one, if I'm really honest, this is what I'll fall into more often, is just not expecting to see healings happen. Like the subject, it can be too painful. It brings up disappointment or just the busyness of life takes over and we cut out this part of Jesus' ministry. Like we just don't have any faith at all for it. And I wonder tonight if some of us actually allowed our hearts to grow cold to this a bit. You know, and the tragedy of this is not only will we not see the healings take place because we won't be praying for them, but we're actually kind of giving up something of what it means to partner with the Holy Spirit. Like we're giving up something of what he calls us to do. You know, will Jesus love you any less if you don't pray for healing? Like, of course not. This isn't a question about um, his affection at all. Jesus will never love you any more or any less than he does right now. But as I've watched these miracles unfold, like this week, I've just been brought back again into like what it means to partner with him. 
like, and the cry of my heart has been like, Lord, would you grow faith in me for this again? Like, don't let me become cynical. Don't let me become hard-hearted. Let me push in, even when I don't fully understand. Like, I believe that you use, you empower ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You know, and I want to see this in King's Cross. I want to see this break out in our workplaces, in our universities, in our streets. You know, when a bunch of ordinary people wake up to the extraordinary power that's within them, that lives are changed and cities are transformed. And I want to see the city changed. Like, I want to see people healed. I want to see people set free from addiction. Like, people experience deep inner healing. I want to see people feel the love of Jesus when they thought they were totally unlovable. I want to see the power of anxiety broken over the city. I want to see people encounter Jesus and find fullness of life in him. And what a crazy privilege it is that he would use you and me to do that. I think there's just an invitation here tonight just to partner with him again, to come and say, I don't understand, there's still uncertainty, but I'm choosing to follow you in this, Lord. And if you want to grow in this, like we don't kind of just look at ourselves when we're trying to muster up faith, that never works. We look at Jesus, like our faith hinges on the fact that a dead man lives. So why not read the Gospels this week? If you struggle with this, just get, get involved in the Gospels. It has brought the, the reality home of how powerful Jesus is to me. You know, get around people who have got more faith than you. This stuff is contagious. Celebrate the sparks of life that you have seen. Celebrate the breakthroughs. Like, is it everything we're longing for? No, but is it something? Yes. Like, let's allow those things to fuel our faith to see more of this stuff happen. So just to end, I want to look practically at how we do this. And there's three quick things I want to look at. The first is we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is an obvious point, but it isn't us who does the healing. It's the Holy Spirit through us. And so the pressure is off. Like the pressure is of us. We just have to be obedient. We just step out. And so there's no qualifications needed to do this. If you've got a pulse and you believe in Jesus, you can heal. So we go in the power of the Spirit, and secondly, we go with his authority. You know, we've been commissioned by Jesus to go and do this stuff, to be his hands and feet. So we don't beg or plead God when it comes to praying. Like, we just speak to the condition and say, be gone in the name of Jesus. Um, And there's boldness, isn't there, when we pray that kind of stuff. And for me, my sister, um, I remember her praying a really bold prayer over me. Um, a few, like a year or so ago, I was uh, told by quite a few opticians that I had a degenerative eye condition. And it's like three different kind of opticians had, had made that diagnosis. And so they were monitoring my eyes and they booked me in for an appointment in February to the hospital to work out when I'd need to have an operation on them. And I remember my sister, before I went in, she just prayed this prayer. She felt prompted to pray it by the Holy Spirit. And she said, I pray that the scans would come back completely fine. And then she went further. I was like, that's bold enough. But she went a little bit further. And she was like, I pray that um, it would be checked by one doctor. And then I pray that it would be double checked by the head doctor of the ward. And so I went in, I had the scans, and I um, sat down, and I was waiting for these results to come. And it was taking ages, and I was like, what is going on? And finally, the doctor, she calls me in, and she says, um, I'm so sorry that it's, you've been having to be waiting a while. Um, we're just a bit puzzled. Like, the scans, they're completely fine. And she was like, and, you know, I was so concerned and puzzled as to why you've been referred to us that I've had to go and check with my head doctor, and he's gone and completely cleared you as well. Like, I love my sister's boldness in that. She heard a prompting from the Holy Spirit, and she prayed it out. She took a risk. She said it out loud. She prayed that prayer, and I've been healed. It's awesome. (laughs) So we go in the power of the Spirit. We go with his authority. And lastly, we go. 
Um, and this is sometimes hard to miss, right? Um, it's easy to miss, but we actually have to go to do this stuff. Like the way that we grow in this stuff is by trying, by failing a few times, by it feeling a bit awkward, by persevering, but we step out in obedience and go. I just want to close by reading this little story that Amy Dolly um, sent me in a few weeks ago. She says this. Last Monday, I felt God tell me to stand outside of Pentonville Prison and pray for healing. We must have asked about 15 people for prayer, but only two obliged, and they were for generic things, blessings, and 2,000 pounds. Love that. Um, so I walked home feeling really disappointed, like it was a bit of a shambles. Later this evening, I was walking to seek first, and I passed an old man with a crutch. I felt I should pray for him, so I turned around and asked him if I could. To my surprise, he said yes, and he told me that his leg was badly damaged after recently being hit by a car. So I prayed for him, and I asked him to test it out. And he just said, it's so much better. And he started speed walking around the pavement. So I asked if I could pray again, and we did. And then he just started to meet with the Holy Spirit. He started to cry. He told me that he felt really touched. And she just finishes, finishes the email by saying, I've learned that God uses the most ordinary people in the most extraordinary ways. And I love that story because this guy, he's just walking through King's Cross. He's on Killick Street in pain. But by the time he's left that street, he's feeling the joy of Jesus. Like I love what can happen when someone, you know, ignores the 15 rejections and goes after the 16th. When someone steps out again, when someone risks again. You know, it's so easy to get stuck with this big vision of bringing life to this city. But just find the next step like the next thing that feels a bit risky, and go for it. Jesus gives us such a good model in this. Like, he's got three years to kind of proclaim and demonstrate that the kingdom of God is breaking in. And how does he do it? He just focuses on the person in front of him. Like, he's deeply unstrategic. I love it. He doesn't come up with programs or strategies. He just goes from town to town, village to village, leading one person to life at a time. And what do we see? Like joy breaks out in the places that he goes to. So I'd love it this week. Like what would it look like if we took that seriously? If we just loved the one person in front of us, if we offered to pray for healing where they needed healing, if we had compassion on them, if we stepped out and took the risk, like our city really would look different.